five, four, three, two, one. Boosters, ignition. Uh, there you go welcome to another episode of two guys one topic i'm liam and i'm ollie and for those of you that don't know or for any new listeners each episode we take a topic that we know very little about and we give ourselves a week to read and research all about it the idea being that we do the hard work and then share what we feel is the most important pieces of information with you, the listeners. Yep, and uh, we absolutely are not experts in anything that we talk about on this pod. This is just a summary of our findings. But hopefully, by sharing some knowledge with you all, we can all learn just a little bit more about a whole lot of things. That sounds really good to me. Let's get on with this week's topic, which is... The Moon! Okay, Ollie, this week's the moon. I actually picked this episode. My, it feels a bit like a Liam's Choice episode because of all the list of all the, the the big list of stuff we've got to do. I actually got to choose which one it was. So uh, I feel like I've chosen this episode. You know, we see the moon every single day of our lives. Everybody knows a bit about the moon, but do you know anything about it actually? A little bit. I knew I knew it was a satellite. Well, I certainly thought it was a satellite, something that rotates around the Earth. It's got something to do with the tides of the oceans that we have here on earth and it obviously comes in different shapes you see it in, in different sizes at different times in different days of the month but that was about it really how about yourself no exactly the same when it came to um preparing this this uh, my notes for this week i wrote a bunch of bullet points of all things that i thought i know but i actually don't like dark side of the moon that's a thing i don't oh, yeah. really know what it is why have we got different shaped moons uh, other planets have got moons it's got something to do with the tide like you said uh we've been to the moon we're going again aren't we like all these things like i know i know they're all things but i, I couldn't tell you anything about any of those bullet points yeah. until this week so and i think we actually have our winner don't we of the how long ago did this happen ah <laughs> yeah yeah so let's jump straight in then so we always start with if we can like the history of something so the first thing was why do we have a moon how did it form where did it come from what is its history and this pretty much goes back as far as anything is ever going to go right <laughs> but yeah surely there can't be anything that beats this unless we do the sun one day but i think we are talking about 4.6 billion years ago that is what we're talking so a flipping long time ago yeah yeah okay all right at the very start of everything right like- exactly seen before the dinosaurs I, I joke like i didn't i said to you like what well, if we did dinosaurs that'll be earlier oh no it won't. <laughs> <laughs> so yeah we're talking yeah 4.6 billion years ago so our our sun came around started to to form and then they reckon it was about 50 to 100 million years after the sun that the earth's moon came into existence And there are three main theories about how we actually came up with having a moon, isn't there? Yeah, so the main one, let's start with the main one, then then you can come in with the other two. The main one is something called giant impact theory. And there's loads of evidence to support this being, this is the one that most people generally believe. And it, it goes something like this. They, scientists think 
that there was a planet approximately the same size as the Mars that essentially crashed into the Earth. Um, and they crashed into each other, they fused together, and then a small part of it like just floated off and formed the moon, didn't it? That's essentially yes, in a nutshell. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. And as, as Liam said, that one is called Giant Impact Hypothesis. And that is the one, yeah, that, that scientists pretty much think has got to be the answer as to why we've ended up with a moon smashed into another rock the size of Mars, which is called Thea, um, and something span off and started being the moon. And the reason they think this is true is because of like the makeup and the, the way the rock of the Earth and the rocks on the moon, the chemical composition of them, they know that they're similar enough that they, they've probably been together at some point. That's right. Um, so... Um, yeah, that, that, like it's it, evidentially, it seems like that is very likely to be the, the reason why we are. Absolutely. Yes. We are. Yeah, definitely. And then there are uh, two other theories that are out there. One is called capture theory. And this is the one where it suggests that maybe the Earth's gravity, so the Earth was already in existence, but the Earth's gravity sort of pulled on a passing object, a passing body that was out yep. there in space and then pulled it into our gravitational pull, which then made it become our moon. But some of the reasons why people think that this capture theory probably isn't true is because when they see that happening in space, the objects don't tend to be as spherical as what the moon is. Okay. They tend to be yep. like really odd shaped rocks that just suddenly get pulled into the gravitational pull of a planet. So that probably yep. doesn't seem right. And then the other one, which was around for quite a while, was something called the co-formation theory. So this is, in a nutshell, this is just where they reckon that when the Earth was formed and this mass of dust and space debris started coming together to form the Earth, at approximately the same time, a little one started going off on the side. Okay, yeah. Called the moon, we now call the moon, and it happened co-formed co-formation theory happened at the same time however they reckon that this can't be the case because those two things would contain like the same properties as you mentioned yeah, okay. in the high impact theory giant impact theory they both contain the same things apart from our planet is way more dense than the moon so it can't be the case that co-formation co theory came about because otherwise it would then weigh the same um, so okay. yeah, there's, that's, that's the reason behind why it comes back to giant impact hypothesis. Yeah. Yeah. We think, we think basically another Mars crashed into earth is essentially the thing. And just the bit that splintered off became the moon. So why it's called the moon. Um, so the, the, the word moon can be traced back to the word Mona from all, an old English word from medieval times, but the word Mona shares its origins with the Latin, with two Latin words, metri, which means measure and mensis, which means month. So if you come all the way back to moon, back in the day, they used to use the moon to measure the months. And we will talk about that a little bit later on, but the word metri and mensis from Latin means measure and month. And then that sort of formed the word mona, which then became the word moon. Nice. I like that. So when it was originally formed 4.6 billion years ago, the moon would have been this really hot, ball of molten lava and it wouldn't look like anything like it does today it would have almost been like a ball of fire you know ball of melting lava that, that was there right, okay and 
over the billions of years, it is then cooled down and those that lava is then cooled down and you're left now with a very dusty, rocky landscape, which it doesn't have any atmosphere, does it? And it's got loads of craters on it. Yeah, because it's got no atmosphere, no wind or anything to have any effect on it. All those craters that you see, every time it gets smacked, it every time it gets hit by a like a comet or a meteor, I don't actually know the difference. What's the difference between a comet and a meteor? Maybe we should have found that out. Every time it gets hit by one, that, that crater remains because it doesn't get blown away or eroded or anything like that. And also, because it doesn't have, like we've got like the ozone layer, we've yeah. got an atmosphere that breaks up comets or, or meteors. Um, someone correct us. When they come into our atmosphere, they get broken up, don't they? Well, they just so, burn up, don't they? They, they then get yeah, that yeah. resistance, that air resistance, and it then makes it get really hot and it dissipates. And a lot of them don't actually end up making it down to Earth, do they? Yeah, whereas the moon, that is not quite the case. And uh, it just gets smashed to pieces, doesn't it? And um, to give you some idea about it, it was saying that there are about 190 identified impact craters on Earth. But loads of those have been covered up now by water and you know vegetation and trees and what have you. But there are millions on the moon. And they reckon that there are 5,000 that are larger than 20 kilometres in diameter. So just because it's got no way of protecting itself, it's yeah, just yeah. battered all the time by little things going into it. And um, yeah, and as exactly as you said, because there's no atmosphere or wind to then blow away these crater marks that you end up having all of them still on show. Yeah, and we'll talk about it later, but that's the same reason why there's footprints up there, isn't there, and stuff like that from when, yeah. when we've landed on the moon. Like, they're not going anywhere because nothing's going to erode them. Um, okay, so that's how it's formed and sort of what it is and why it looks the way it does. How big is it, though, and how far away is it? <laughs> so it's not actually as big as what you think it might be, is it? So... It's about a quarter of the size of Earth. Yeah, yeah. Its radius is about 1,080 miles, and its diameter, so diameter is from, from one point. If you imagine standing here and you dig all the way through the Earth, all the way right out to the other side, its diameter is about 2,150 miles. Yeah. So if you, you know, dig right through the centre all the way out the other side. I read about some analogy about size-wise, trying to get your head around it, that if the earth was the size of a basketball, then the moon would be about the size of a tennis ball-ish. Yeah, okay. Ish. Yeah, makes sense. To to give you some sort of idea. And in terms of how far away it is, it's, again, if you use earth as that unit of measure, it's about 30 earths away. So it ranges from 28 to 32 Earths away in terms of distance. Okay. Which... Yeah, it's 200, 240,000 miles. Yeah. And we, we said we said before we started recording this, didn't we? Like, we did an episode all about space junk and, like, satellites and things. Those satellites are up in low Earth orbit, which is about 1,200 miles, 1,200 miles, something like that. The moon is 240,000 miles away. So <laughs> 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 <How> far. <laughs> It is super far, isn't it? But it, it's on, quite interesting. It Well, maybe if you're listening, maybe you are interested. It's on an elliptical orbit, isn't it? So what it means is it gets closer and further away. Like that's its average distance from the Earth. But there are times where it's further away. But there are also times when it's closer is it? because it's on like a funny, you know, like an oval shaped orbit. And, and every now and then it'll be closer. Well, there is a, an interesting thing that I was reading about the distance away from earth so going back 
4.5 billion years ago, the moon would have been a lot closer to us. Um, and what they've managed to figure out is that it's drifting away from Earth ever so slightly. This is some pretty precise calculations that they've done or managed to figure out that it's moving approximately 3.8 centimetres away from our planet every year. Okay. So, yeah. So, what's so it like a, a hundred years? It'll be about four meters away. Yeah. So they, okay. they reckon they reckon that it's going to continue doing this for about fifty billion years, and then they don't know what will happen. Oh well, just randomly, uh, and shows how good my research has been this week. As I can just pull this out of the bag, one of Mars's moons called Phobos is actually moving closer to Mars, and they think in about forty or fifty million years it will hit Mars. Ouch. Okay. That's nuts, isn't it? So uh, We'll sort of come on to this a little bit later, but because it's moving or drifting further away from the Earth, so at the moment it takes around 29 days to circle the Earth. 29 and a half. Yeah, 29 and a half. As it carries on drifting away from us, it will then be getting longer and longer. So it could end up being it's actually 47 days or further, the length of time it takes to get around it. But, um, but yeah, so it is actually sliding away from us ever so slightly. On the, on the size of it, is there a way that you could just explain sort of the volume of it? Ah, only because you want me to tell you this fact about volume of a sphere, don't you? Four thirds yeah. pi r cube is the volume <laughs> of a sphere. What that means is... You just, you just say it that without even thinking about yeah, it. You yeah. just know it. Yeah, so it's about a quarter of the size of the Earth. So... If you do some, you know, calculations approximately, you know, because it's it's all slightly approximate, you could, if you opened up Earth like a like an Easter egg, because of the nature of that radius cubed in the volume, okay. that it's only a quarter, a quarter of the size, you've got to cube that. So it ends up being like 64 times smaller. So you can fit approximately 50 moons inside the Earth. Yep. If you were to open the Earth. So yep. That's- <laughs> no, no, that's a, a maths thing. <laughs> and if you, if you were to open the Earth, as everyone knows, you, you, we know we've got a molten core in the middle of Earth, which, um, mm-hmm. you know, we've got our tectonic plates and everything. The moon has a similar molten core as well. So where we were saying about how it originally came about, there used to be vol- volcanic-style eruptions and lava and stuff all floating around it. But, yeah, they, they reckon it's got a molten core in the middle of it. Okay, right. So next thing then, like one of the next things I wrote down is, how can we get different shapes moons? I'm sure you learned this in primary school, but not 100% sure I would have been able to fully explain this. Uh, I can now though. Obviously the moon's different size, different shapes, isn't it? Like throughout, right, it turns out throughout the month. I didn't realise that neither. Yeah, yeah, exactly. There are eight traditionally recognised different shapes or phases of the moon's illumination. Like how we see the moon, there are are the eight different ones that are spoken about. But I thought it might be good just to point out really quickly before we start talking about different shapes and phases of the moon, that the moon doesn't generate its own light, does it? No, it comes from the sun. Okay, so the, the, the shape we see on the moon comes from the fact that the sun is shining, reflecting off of it, if you like. Yeah. And the moon's position relative to Earth uh, affects how much of that light we see hitting the earth, uh, yeah. hitting the moon, sorry. So, cause the moon, um, you know, the moon is going around us, which means it's in a different position every 
you know, all the time. It takes 29 and a half days to go all the way around us. But every time it moves slightly, obviously the sun hits it at a slightly different angle and it means we see a slightly different shape, right? Yeah. And so just to give people an idea, those different shapes go right from a, a, a new moon, which is one that you can't see weirdly, and we'll explain that in a second. Then you've got something which goes to like that crescent shape. It's called a, a yeah. waxing crescent. Then you get a quarter moon, which is actually when you see half of the moon. It's called a quarter moon because the moon's a quarter of the way around its orbit of the Earth. Yep. Then you get something called a waxing gibbous, then a full moon, and then it all goes back into reverse. So a waning and gibbous. Just, just quickly, what's a gibbous? You, you jumped over the gibbous. What's a gibbous? Um, so, yeah, so gibbous means humped. You've gibbous got- is that one where, where it's like not quite a full moon. It's the one where it's more than half, like to look at it. It's more than a half, but it's not a full moon yet. You know, when you look up and you go, oh, it's yes. a full moon. Yeah, that, yeah, yeah. That's the one that, that will give us. Yeah, exactly. So yeah, and that's called a yeah a waxing gibbous. Then onto a full moon, then a waning gibbous, a last quarter, and then a waning crescent. And and, and just quickly, wa- waxing means growing, so it's getting bigger. Waning means shrinking, so it's shrinking. Like it, you know, it's it's getting more closer and closer to being a full moon. That's called a waxing gibbous. You know, when it's nearly a full moon, that like, oh tomorrow it'll be a full moon. That's called a waxing gibbous. It's nearly there. And then it, then it becomes a full moon. And then it starts, you know, when the full moon starts to disappear, you go, oh, gibbous. But it's a waning gibbous because it's getting smaller and smaller as well. Definitely. That's right. But it's quite interesting about a new moon. And there's a bit of a misconception about how we get a new moon, isn't there? In terms of it's, it's how yeah. us as the Earth, the moon and the sun are all aligned. Yeah, the, the thought process, I think, and I think I would probably be in this camp as well. A new moon is the moon you can't see. And the thought process, probably from lots of people, is that you can't see the moon because the Earth is in the middle and you've got the sun and then the Earth and then the moon. And us as Earth is blocking the light from the sun to the moon. Now, that isn't actually the case. It's the exact opposite. And the best way to describe this is imagine somebody standing in front of you with a really bright light behind them. You could not see them. They would just be a silhouette, wouldn't they? They would just be a black outline. Yes. Okay. So you imagine we get a new moon when the moon is between us and the sun because the sun is so bright behind it that we cannot actually see it. Yes. Um, and that, that's when you get a new moon. And then we get a full moon the other way around when, the, when we are in the middle. And that's like if you imagine the light is behind you, really bright, you in front of me, the moon would be really lit up, wouldn't you? Exactly. Um, so that's where the full moon comes from. Yeah. And so, yeah, so that's where we were saying you've got the new moon, the one you can't see, a waxing crescent, crescent, first quarter, waxing gibbous, got your full moon, and you've got your waning gibbous, last quarter, waning crescent. And it was in that cycle. It was really interesting to like read that that's then, that's then how they started, like we were talking about uh, telling the, telling, not telling the time, telling the date, like months measuring months because you get for every 29 and a half days you hit a full moon because that's the nature of it. as it moves around us we get a full moon every 29 and a half days so you know it has been 29 and a half days since i had the last one and that's how you can track like yes. the, the months isn't it yeah and what they did then over time these full moons i thought this is interesting these full moons had names didn't they they know they're coming you know you're going to get a full moon in january february march april may whatever and just people in general humans or whatever started giving them names didn't they so do you want to just read off some of the names of the moons yeah they think it might have actually by the way 
they think it might have actually started with Native American Indians who originally came up with these and then they sort of spread. Um, but so, for example, we're in November now. November is known yep. as the beaver moon. Okay. Okay. That's something, that's something to do with Native Americans setting beaver traps during this month, isn't it? Um, but okay. Others say, others say it's because um, the beavers build their winter dams around this time. But another name for it in, in other, I don't know, other cultures is call it the frost moon, probably for obvious reasons. Yeah, the frost starts to come. So, you, yeah, different ones, different months. So January is called the wolf moon. Apparently that's okay. from the howling hungry wolves in the dead of winter. Yeah. Yeah. June is the strawberry moon because that's when strawberries happen, I think, I guess. And then you've got the harvest moon or the full corn moon in September. This might be our quiz this week. Uh, name, the, name the month. Uh, but yeah, all the moons got names. And then there's, there's one even that's called a blue moon, isn't there, Liam? Yeah, this is lovely. This this is a lovely piece of knowledge, this one. This could have been a takeaway. So because it only takes 29 and a half days to go round, obviously that does not add up to 365 days a year, which means every now and then, about every two and a half years, that difference adds up to an extra 13th blue moon, uh, a 13th full moon. Okay. And that full moon became known as the blue moon. Now, the origins of that name are uncertain, but it is where that saying once in a blue moon came from. Okay, so something that's not going to happen very often. Yeah, every two and a half years. Yeah, nice. No, that's a good one. And then another one that I then looked into was the supermoon. So that's something that you sometimes hear about in the news saying, oh, we're going to have a supermoon coming. Everybody get ready for it. And the reason for it is because the moon's orbit isn't perfectly circular around Earth. Yeah. It's yep. elliptical. And so sometimes the moon is closer to earth than other points throughout its cycle. Yep. And then when it's at its very closest, it can look 14% larger and 30% brighter uh, than yep. when it's further away. And then that's, and that's the term supermoon. And that's only when it happens to be a full moon. Like it has to coincide, doesn't it? It has to oh, be yes. close to us at the time that it's going to be a full moon as well. And it's like sort of, you know, stars align a little bit and like, oh, I've got a full moon and it's really close. So we got a big mama moon coming. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And they're, they're yeah, okay. super rare, aren't they? As you say, getting that to line up. Um, so yeah, we're talking about all the, the brightness and what we can actually see of the moon and these different phases of the moon that we've got here, the blue moon, super moon as well. But people often talk about the dark side of the moon, don't they? Yeah, a bit of a misconception. Well, <laughs> I, I say it like I knew it myself, but I did not. And so it's not, now not I the Pink Floyd album throw that in there no but it shouldn't be called the dark side of the moon um i think you know they would prefer it to be called the far side of the moon but the the, the problem is the, the nature of the moon's rotation and the nature of our rotation mean that the same side of the moon is always pointing at us it's called tidal lock it's called it, it's said to be tidally locked which yep. means we always see the same face of the moon just because of just coincidence i think um, but it means there's, there's obviously the other half of the moon that we never see. It's called the dark side of the moon, but it isn't ever really dark, is it? Because think about that no. new moon we were just saying. It's only dark to us, but behind it, it's got a sun, hasn't it? Yeah. So in reality, yeah, both sides of the moon have the same amount of sunlight. It's only that the face that we're seeing, you know, that that we then see all the time, we then just don't think that the other side has any light. But 
yeah, it's, it's because it rotates on it as exactly as Liam said, it rotates on its own axis at exactly the same time that it takes to then go all the way around Earth. So we only yeah. ever see one side of the moon. But we see slight, just a little piece of knowledge for you. We see slightly more than 50% of the moon of, of its face to, just to do with angles and the slightly different orbits that we're on. We can see about 59% of the moon's face, we think. Um, not quite all of it. Um, I think some of the other planets, I think Saturn and Jupiter, I think their moons are tidally locked as well, or some, at least some of them are. Um, but yeah, but there is some interesting, like we want to get to the dark side, don't we? There's, there's a, there's one particularly interesting thing that, that they think we'd be able to do if we could be on the dark side, right? Yeah, they, so the, the dark side has been seen, but it's only be seen by people from a spacecraft that have yeah, been okay. able to to get to go and see it. So there's there's not too many people that have actually seen the the other side of the moon. But they think it would be a, a really good place to be able to put other telescopes and other equipment for us to then try and explore further into the universe and the solar system because we wouldn't have any of the interference from Earth. So yeah. that those radio signals and what have you that, that we have all beaming up and around going up there, that they think it might actually give them a clearer way and be able to get even more detailed pictures and, and radar into space. But given that all of our satellites and things, are well, not all of them, but the majority of them, are in this low Earth orbit of 1,000 miles away, and you're on the moon that's 240,000 miles away, I'm pretty sure there won't be much interference with that. <laughs> <laughs> but they, okay. they do believe that, don't they? That is what they're thinking about the dark side of the moon. Yeah, which means we've got to get back to the moon, don't we, if we want to be doing this. So it would be remiss of us not to at least mention the moon landings. Got to. Got to, haven't yeah, we? Yeah, so 1969, 20th of July, 1969, uh, a guy you might have heard of, Neil Armstrong, and another guy, Buzz Aldrin, landed on the moon, didn't they? <laughs> yeah, they did. So there were, there were uncrewed missions that went up to the moon in 1959 by the Soviet Union, but that was the first manned mission to the moon. So yeah, the, the big date for you there, the 20th of July, 1969. And you probably know what was said as Neil Armstrong got onto that surface. He said, that's one small step for man, one giant leap for mankind. I've read that he actually probably missed out the word, ah, that's one yeah, small step for ah man. One yeah. giant leap for mankind. But I guess he was just so excited. He got on there yeah. and just slightly stuffed up his lines. They, they, um, they then sent, so this was the Apollo 11 mission. Um, and then between 69 and 72, they had Apollo 11 all the way up to Apollo 17, where they landed two people on the moon each time. They had um, six crewed missions to the moon. Apollo 13 had technical problems, so it didn't actually make it. But yeah, so there, there's been 12 astronauts, all men, who've stepped on the moon. Um, and all American, aren't they? Uh, I don't know, are they? Which seems about right. I think, yeah, they're all American um, missions, so I'd guess so. But Apollo is a Greek god, right? And Apollo has a sibling. Yes, yeah. Artemis, a, a sister. Yeah, a twin sister. Apollo's twin sister is Artemis. Right, and and that is the name of NASA's new program, which you might have read about in the in the press. They're, they want to go back to the moon, don't they? And they're, they're going to have a second second stab at it. The main problem they haven't done it for so long, by the way, is it's so expensive. It's ridiculously it's expensive. Just the, the cost got too prohibitive to be sending people up there, and it it wasn't also as part of in that cost. It's 
leaving a lot of equipment up there as well. So what they do is that it's really expensive to get up there. When they then get there, you know, we're talking that about 70 moon landers are up there. So these are okay. big chunky bits of equipment that they just have to leave and they bring back a load of rock to be analyzed and to try and work out and figure out what's what's within this rock and everything. So they then swap their equipment and they leave loads of stuff up there to then come back um, to make their, their their ship lighter. Yeah, Project Apollo. So sending up these missions, they think cost in, in today's money, $150 billion. That's wow. But NASA, we're going to try again with this Artemis program and uh, their quote, or, or this is off their website, in fact, we're going back to the moon for scientific discovery, economic benefits and inspiration for a new generation of explorers, the Artemis generation. While maintaining American leadership in exploration, we will build a global alliance and explore deep space for the benefit of all. And so what they're thinking is actually setting up a base on the moon. So they, yeah. they, there's a couple of good reasons that they've got for this is that because they've been up before, they managed to collect samples of the rock and they've improved the equipment of looking at the moon. They've figured out that there's actually ice that's not too far below the crust of the moon. And then if there's ice there, then they can then turn it into water. And then that could be a way of them then being able to create more things that will then allow them to have a base on moon to then use it as a stopping point to then go onto Mars and wherever else they might need to go to. Yeah. Oxygen and hydrogen that's in water can be used to make rocket fuel. That's it. So the, the thought process being obviously, it's also because it's got less gravity, it's easier to get off the moon than it is to get off the earth. So if we could build a base somehow on the moon, where we could make the rockets or or something. I'm, you know, I'm not 100% sure on the exact specifics, but it's easier to then, you know, they can make the rocket if you want, they can get off the moon quicker. And they, yeah, use it as a landing point. But they think they're going to have something called the Gateway, NASA seem to think, which is a bit like the International Space Station, and it will be in the moon's orbit, floating around the moon. So we will fly from here to this gateway, yeah. uh, like a habitation area, and then you will drop down off of that onto the moon, do whatever you've got to do on the moon, go back up to this gateway, um, and yeah, they think they think within the next sort of five years that they, they, they think they're going to send the first test of the, the the spaceship this year, apparently. Yeah, that's right. That's what they're trying to get through at the moment. But as you say, it's it's a costly thing to do. Um, and yeah, with that gateway, so people will then be able to stay up there for quite a long period of time, like they do on the International Space Station at the moment. I don't suppose. Did you see how long Neil Armstrong and Buzz Aldrin were originally on the moon for? A couple hours? Uh, 21 hours. 21 hours and 36 minutes. Mm. And it, yeah, so then they've got to get off, don't they? But um, yeah, I think the plan would be to uh, to be there slightly longer term. Uh, yeah, so yeah, they're going to send up this first rocket, they think, is going to go 280,000 miles from Earth. And it will be like the furthest they've ever sent a, well, it won't be manned to begin with, uh, but it'll be the furthest they've ever sent a manned rocket into space. And then eventually see what happens, I guess. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. See if we then go on and conquer Mars as well. Yeah, interesting. So, yeah, it's a good testing ground, proving ground for stuff. I think you know, if you can do it on the moon, then it's going to help to do it on the Mar on Mars. So, um, definitely. Uh, yeah. Don't know. Is it worth us just saying that our moon is the fifth largest moon in the solar system, and that there are some other quite significant moons around other planets? Yeah, very quickly. Earth's got one moon. Mars has got two. Jupiter's got seventy-nine. Saturn's got eighty-two. Uh, not they're not all confirmed. Uranus has got 27 and Neptune's got 14. So a lot of them, a lot of got moons. But um, yeah, Europa on Jupiter, 
pretty sure it's got an icy surface beneath it with salty water with a saltwater ocean thought to contain twice as much water as Earth's oceans. How do they know that? <laughs> yeah, exactly. And Jupiter's got the biggest moon of Ganymede. So that might be a name that you've heard. Like the so that the biggest one is Ganymede. Then you've got Titan, Castillo, and Io are the, the four Titan larger one ones. Of, Titan's one of Saturn's moons. And it's the only place beside Earth known to have liquid in the form of rivers and lakes and seas on its surface. Um, and because its atmosphere is mostly nitrogen, uh, it might be a place where we could go. The thing that blew my mind where these moons, they've not like, been recently discovered, have they? It's not been <laughs> in like modern technology to figure out how many moons there are and, and which planets have different moons. We've known the, about Gal- these moons for a long time, haven't we? Yeah, Galileo, who you'll have heard of. I didn't, I didn't know he was an astronomer. I just heard the name. Uh, yeah, discovered Jupiter's moons in six, approximately 1610. 1610? years ago. How? How? <laughs> I don't know. I, it boggles my mind. How do they know this stuff? And like, I'm pretty no sure idea. the telescope wasn't invented by then. We need to maybe just see, see that as a... Yeah, an, for, that for and another thing which we'll release at the end of this series. We'll have checked that for you. But that is mind-blowing that they've known about these moons for 400 years. Yeah, but yeah. And yeah, a couple of them, they think, pretty decent shot um, Yeah, of, of, of sustaining life, I think. So that'll be quite interesting. So Liam, the other thing that I mentioned at the very start when I was saying, what do I know about the moon? Is that it's got something to do with our tides. And I've had a look at this this week. It doesn't seem as straightforward as what I was hoping it to be. So I'm just going to sit here silently for a couple of minutes and hand it over to you. Okay. If you're still listening to this, thank you. But if I lose you in the next minute, then apologies. I watched about 15 <laughs> videos trying to work, work out how this works. Okay. So here it is. I'll go as quickly as I can. Basically, the moon has a gravitational pull on the earth. And what it does is it pulls all of the water in the earth towards the moon so we have a bulging effect so if you imagine the earth is just a ball of like rock surrounded by water okay that water bulges out towards the moon because the yeah. moon is like sucking it towards itself if you like i'm with you but the, but the moon also pulls the earth itself ever so slightly and you can actually measure it like you need super um you know accurate things you can measure the earth moving so what happens is the water closest to the moon gets pulled towards the moon and it bulges out. The earth itself moves ever so slightly towards the moon and into this bulge. Okay. But the water away from the moon on the other side of the earth does not move because it doesn't get pulled because the the earth is in the way. And what it means is if you imagine then we've got the ball of rock, which is the earth is inside like an American football shape of water because it's now bulging and the, the ball is moving into the middle and you end up with two bulges either side, one really close to the, earth, the moon and one far away from the moon. Yep. And then the rock, which is the earth in the middle, rotates within these bulges. Those bulges always face the moon, but the earth rotates within them. So all we do essentially is we move into high tide and out of high tide. The, the sea itself doesn't move. It's the rock that moves around and then the sea levels itself out accordingly. Got it. No, I, that that makes some sense. No, I like that. We'll put a, I'll have to um, we'll put like an image of that up on Instagram or something because it might be easier to explain. But yeah, it, it essentially 
It's the gravity of the moon pulling at the water, but also ever so slightly pulling at the earth itself. Um, and then you end up with a bulge either side. And that is your high tides. Okay, yeah. nice. I like that. Hopefully. If anyone's listening, please send me a message saying how well I explained that. Or <laughs> tell me I've butchered it. <laughs> okay. So that's pretty much all the things we were going to talk about, isn't it? That's uh, ticked everything off the list. Um, but have you got anything to a uh, little takeaway for us? Little yeah. Fact, little fact. Yeah, I've got, I've got a little one. I I wanted to find out if anyone owned the moon or had laid claim to it because even though America have gone there, it's not actually owned by America, even though they've put a flag in there. So what happened was the United Nations, every member of the United Nations, signed an outer space treaty in 1967. So this is two okay. years before people landed on the moon in 1969. And it's because they knew that astronauts were going to start going up. And the treaty said that the exploration and use of outer space could only be used for the benefit of all countries and the interest of all countries, and that space exploration has to be done in a peaceful way. So basically saying nobody can own it, nobody can own any of the stars or planets that's out there. And if you go and do any space exploration, it's on behalf of everybody on Earth. So when uh, when people buy like stars for each other for Christmas and stuff, you buy a star for your wife. That means that's a bunch of rubbish, right? I think so. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, okay, mine's dead simple. And you mentioned it earlier. The moon's probably smaller than you think it is. Okay, it looks massive, but it's not actually as big as that. It is a little fact. If the moon came down to Earth, and you could sit it, but, but essentially it's smaller than America. If you hey. sat the moon on America, there would be 300 miles of America either side of the moon still. because And the moon is only 2,100 miles wide, but America is 2,800 miles wide. So America is a lot wider than the moon is. Yeah, so yeah which you just... Same, goes, same is true of Australia as well. Australia is actually bigger than the moon too. You definitely wouldn't uh, think that at all, would you? That's brilliant. I like right. that. Yeah, crazy, right? So what do you know about the moon then? What do you reckon? Oh, Could you talk about it? Definitely. It's been really interesting to understand more about it. Thanks for explaining the, the tides. That's really good to know. <laughs> I'm pleased about that now. Yeah. Um, no, it's just, it, I quite like learning about that giant impact hypothesis and just how it actually came about happening, that Earth smashed into something about the size of Mars, and then the yeah. moon ended up you know, getting spun off the side of that. I quite like that it's actually drifting away from us every year. So 3.8 centimetres, it's, it's drifting away. Um, yeah, quite quite an interesting topic this week and having some idea about why we're then wanting to then go back to the moon and do some exploration. I feel I could hold a conversation. How about yourself? Absolutely agree. I like the stuff. I like learning about, um, you know, the types of moon, the, uh, the difference between the new moon and the full moon. Um, I like the fact that, you, you know, what a blue moon is. I thought that was quite an interesting piece of knowledge to know. I like that. You know, I could. That's a cool fact. Once in a blue moon. Oh, let me tell you where that come from. I can tell you that fact. Um, Definitely. Yeah. Good though. Really, really good. Really interesting week learning about the moon. We, we we did email Buzz Aldrin, didn't we? But he doesn't want to interview us or be interviewed by us. So we'll we'll see if someone will interview us. The problem is, all the people that have been to the moon are quite old, aren't they? So most of them aren't still alive, are they? Yeah. Anyway, we really hope you've enjoyed listening to this topic all about the moon. We'd love to know 
which pieces of information you found most interesting um, and what you learned this week, get in contact with us on social media at Two Guys One Topic on Twitter, Instagram, or Facebook. Yeah, we look forward to hearing from you. We will be back next week with another topic. Get out there and share yourself some knowledge.